You're listening to the Ontos Podcast, where we explore the nature of stories in the pursuit of being and truth. I'm Vod. And I'm Mac. And our sentience depends on you. Now cue the intro music. Yay, spoiler episode. We're back. Rated S for spoilers. Yeah, so this is full-on Cosmere spoilers. It's uh, Cosmere implications. We're going to go talk about things that we've missed. We're going to talk about on the reread, like anything interesting that we found. But yes, full-on Cosmere spoilers. If you are following our reading list and you're trying to read along with us, this is not for you. This will be all the way up to Lost Metal. Uh, There's going to be nothing on Tress of the Emerald Sea on this uh, one i have not finished crest yet but don't worry there will be episodes dropping where we'll actually get to reverse roles for a moment here <laughs> because i always was ahead of mac and now mac has finished that and i'm about i want to say a third of the way through the book and so he wants to get my takes and see what i think so far and maybe any theories i have i can't I, there's not much i think i would bring up here anyway but all right you've got a list let's go through your list <laughs> I have a list. I literally have gone through my notes. Uh, okay, we're going to try to start and order this in such a way, because we're going through 30 chapters worth of potential Cosmere implications. Well, and this is a kind of a weird... Uh, I remember when we kept think, talking about like doing something, and I kept feeling like there wasn't much to go over, because a lot of this is built off of what was going on in Final Empire already, and we were getting like tidbits here and there. Like We were talking about Quan and how he was putting things in steel. We haven't even gotten to the chapter yet where we first... Oh, no, it was this chapter. All right, here we go. We're (laughs) going to go ahead and go on this now. We're going to actually start in chapter three. How about that? We're going to start in chapter three here, which is um, we are kind of still in the recapping point at this point where they're discussing things along the lines of what happened in the final empire. Brandon's given us his patent patent magic system rundown again where for, you know... For people who have had long times between the books or, like or, or what I can assume is, you know, when these books are coming out, you know, it was always nice. And even the Lost Metal to just get reminders of what everyone's power was, what they can do and things like that. So but we're getting that. And the thing is, is Vin starts talking again about how she was able to use the mist to fuel her allomancy. And it's crazy to me, OK, that this kept getting mentioned and you know, when you're first reading this through, you have no idea what this could possibly mean. But the thing here that I'm surprised at is we're up to chapter 30 mm-hmm. in our current reading list or our current read through. And she just then put together that the deepness could possibly be the mist. Yet why the heck was she like she hasn't connected the dots? Why could she pull on it to use it to fuel her allomancy? She can't connect that yet. And all I'm thinking is like. This was preservation at that moment, allowing her to kind of take up his power. But he wasn't, if I'm correct in secret history, he wasn't dead yet. So she couldn't take up all of his power. Yes. And yes. And no, no. Yeah. Preservation fully dies. Like he dies in in the third 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 book. book. Like, I think it's like, is it in a moment with Ellen? But I don't think that was why she was able, unable to take it. Um, It was given to her by Kelsier. Yes. Remember, Kelsier. Ha- when did I miss this? Remember, Kelsier has preservation's power. He gets he gets the orb from the Irie. And- no, but he doesn't have that yet because he gets that after preservation dies, and preservation doesn't die till the third book. Remember? No, no, no. I know, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you that um, 
Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, so like the, she in, couldn't take it yeah, because the first, preservation was still alive. Yeah, she just couldn't take it all because preservation was alive, but she was able to use the mist to fuel her her allomancy there. But I just think that's really cool because going through this read through again, I was super confused. It was funny. Brandon's lectures, he talks about how the ending of, of the final empire, he the the editor told him to throw in something special as a way for him to for her to beat the Lord Ruler because it didn't feel like it had enough oomph. And so that's when he's like, Well, I had this idea with the mess fueling elements. Yeah, I'm gonna throw it in early here. And I got the same exact feeling as what he said, which was, Where did she suddenly discover this magical random power that saved her? And it kind of felt a little. It didn't. It didn't ruin it for me, but I felt like did that's feel like a little it came out of annoying. Nowhere. Yeah. And but now having the other, the second read through, you know, it's exciting to see these things and see that because it's like, oh, this just shows how immersive and how crazy his world building is. That that it's like, well, she's gonna pull on this power, and it makes all complete since i think it was something you mentioned to me consistently because i kept telling you secret history because you kept saying right you kept getting annoyed with mistborn because you're like i don't know i have I all these questions it. and he's not answering it right. and my answer was always secret, secret history. history and i and the thing is is that there were so many contrivances that were there and to realize that they were actually built in and a secret history showed that that was that was really neat but yeah we also get the the, the remembrance right that uh hey the well of ascension it's pulsing. You know, we got that little show of it in the yep. first book. Again, the world building there, that little foreshadow is crazy. It's something you missed the first time that, like like you said, it's always the Leonardo DiCaprio meme. I'm just pointing. There it is. Right. There it exactly. is. Exactly. Yeah. And the pulsing is the pul- the rhythm of Scadriel that she's hearing, um, which makes me think that you would probably be able to use bronze to sense uh, uh, using Stormlight, too, or sense Stormlight. That makes Ooh, sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I think it's just, I think it's just sensing investiture is is really what it is doing. But yeah, so going forward, you know, into I think it's like chapter five or something. I made a note that uh, that it's finally mentioned that Vin's earring is bronze, which we know is the correct metal for a spike for a seeker. But get this, it was covered in silver. We find that out later. What? Yeah. So I actually wrote that in my notes. I think it's chapter thirty six. Um, which we'll get to at that when it get when we get there. But wait, is the silver like wearing away? It is. Oh, it is wearing so away. Is so yes, good. it was said it was silver plated, but it has worn away. So here's the thing. That's one of my theories. We're saving it for the trust episode because I'm not through yet. But I have a theory of how silver operates now, and it's just like. Oh, I can't talk about it yet, though. So uh, we weren't going to talk about dress. I, I'm, I told you I'm not going to. <laughs> anyway, so um, I, I don't think I ruined anything on that no, one. No, I no, just no. said like silver exists. Silver uh, is a thing. Guys, I used to. You don't know that. But I used. But here's the thing. I didn't know. I didn't think silver was a thing. I had a theory that silver wasn't a thing. Silver was only really brought up in like um, not six of dusk. Um, it's on Threnody. Shadows, Shadows of silence in the forest of hell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was only brought up there. Nowhere else is silver really brought up. So I kept thinking, oh, they must be, they must call aluminum silver down there. But no, silver is its own thing. I used to tell you before, again, before, like, because, like, you know, again, we're not going to say much about it, but Trest brings silver a little bit more to the forefront here. And I'm not even finished with Trest. I just, this is just from what I've experienced right. so far in the first third of the book. But I was telling you before Trest came out, I was saying, no, dude, like silver, there's something about silver. Yeah. I don't know what the heck it is yet, but we're going to figure this out. It's not like aluminum. But so... We get to mention that the ring is bronze. I think it's really cool. Again, just laying the groundwork of being like, well, that is the correct metal for the correct hemologic spike. Makes a lot of sense. But we go on, and I think the coolest reveal of the first 
uh, uh, 10 chapters, which is what we covered in our first week. We're going two chapters to an episode at this point. Was that in chapter six, okay, this is an audiobook only thing here. But we start to see that Tinsoon has replaced Orsur. And we see all of that being laid down in the way that he talks in the way that um uh in the way that he kind of forgets a lot of things that Vin points out, yeah, you already told me that. But the coolest thing in the audio portion is Kramer, Michael Kramer changes to Tin Soon's voice. Yes. I'm sorry I yelled into the mic there, but it's so cool. He changes into Tin Soon's voice there. Yes. It, it, seeing the hints of Tin Soon there. So I remember when I first read it, I didn't realize when the switch happened. I thought that Osura had been around for a long time, but it happened super early. It happened super fast. When the dog, when he takes over the dog's body, that's when the switch happened. Um, and so I remember being super depressed finding out that Osura was dead. That we were it was pretty lame. Um, I mean, it wasn't lame, but it felt it felt like that in the beginning. Well, I was depressed because I thought he had been around for longer. I didn't realize that all these gelling that we're doing right now was actually with Tensoon. Mm-hmm. Um, so realizing that Orsura was actually kind of not cool, like he was he was very much a very abrasive, you know, kind of Chandra early on because that's what we saw of him first. Um, then. Um, knowing that this whole, this development was actually Tensoon was actually pretty cool to help find out. But yeah, like we get the whole thing, like his voice changes, you know, we, we, you know, Vin points out how aggressive Orsura has become. And it's like, it's cause it's Tensoon getting put into this really crappy position that he mm. didn't want to be in, in the first place. Uh, but yeah, so going on, I think there's, uh, chapter seven, I want to say that there was some, a point where, the Lord Ruler was dead, but the story's not over. And like, says it feels like there's some big, overwhelming blanket across the world that is like ultimately going to try to lead to its destruction. And it's just like the hints again at ruin and mm-hmm. how that goes. Um, Mar- it says that Marsh had been trying to, you know, hunt or track down Sazed, and had Marsh's voice had changed to be like I have this grinding quality. And when I think about that, I think of ruin, right? If we think about into the third book, and I, we haven't reread that yet, so forgive me, my 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 memory here could be a little fuzzy, but it always talked about how the Steel Inquisitors that were under Ruin's control laughed maniacally and had the growly voice, like the <laughs> like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it describes here how Marsh has that grindy voice, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, oh, I'm curious, how much is Ruin affecting Marsh at this point? Obviously, he gets full control over the Inquisitors once he's released. But how much is he able to affect them right now? But uh, I think his... So one thing is I was surprised about was now that we're following Reen's voice a whole bunch of stuff, Reen's almost said nothing. We, we haven't heard Reen's voice once yet until that little off put in like chapter 20-something where, where he's he like, like, oh, I'm thinking, and it's like, you can you can take this army without... Uh, you could take these, there are more ways to take an army than just going in there. Basically, it was to kill, to go kill them. But we know that... It's Ruin being the Mist Spirit and acting like, acting like uh, Laris, acting like preservation. Yeah, we know that he because he, he says in Secret History they taken my form to get to breed mistrust of me essentially. Yeah, and and then like Laris at this point is talking to Kelsier and is like I'm too weak to consistently go down, and so like he can't 
stop Ruin from doing that, and he can't constantly match him because of how weak he's getting. And then the big the big thing was when she touches the mist, the spirit touches her, and it fires from her ear into her oh, mind. We were gonna get to that point, but let's just talk about it. Yeah, like when it when the when Ruin touches her because it's Ruin. Ruin, Ruin right. touches her. And I caught I caught that the second time, like afterwards when I was taking my notes, it was like the pain shoots from her earring to her mind, and it's crazy. Um, but so good. Re- rereading Zane has been really really fascinating because Zane um, is remarkably sane, actually. When you go into mental health. It never health, tells us when he gets spiked. Yeah, we never find out when he spiked, but we know he spiked. Uh, Brandon has confirmed that he spiked. Um, and the fact that this is one of those, like, Brandon really is actually strong at portraying mental health. Zane says he's insane and says all these things or whatever. And he might be a little off kilter, but he does not mar- he does not show the signs of true insanity. Like, he is completely aware of it. He's very self-aware and understands a lot of things. Like, he walks himself through these things really well. He only cuts himself even because it helps make Ruin's voice go away. Which I remember bringing up, like, my theory on that was, what? why does that happen? Because in theory, like, pain and actually suffering when, it, when you fracture the soul... Is supposed to let ruin in, and that's actually his thing. Was that's why all the crazy people or whatever, or the people who are really really snapped, like ruin's able to like wiggle his way in there, even if they're not spiked. Um, so I'm, I'm surprised that pain does that. I wonder if we're gonna see something more on that with investiture later on, like something with pain, because pain is a significant thing in the Cosmere. Uh, yeah. In Stormlight, you know, it, basically all the Knights Radiant have like some sort of really bad pain. Um, and there is this thing about like, oh, the souls break and things like that. And preservation, he's not able to get in there because his nature of his shard is he heals that he closes the gaps. And so it's only when they're really out there, like when, when he was able to get into Kelsier and say survive, um, that was like his moment of being able to get in there. But yeah, so I think going back on the list right here, we got chapter 11, I think is my next one. And these are just things where these are kind of this one's more far reaching, but it I it's like re giving it a second read through whether or not it was meant to feel this way or not. It f- felt like this to me. Vin describes her first time using Duralamin as being flung off the wall by an invisible god. I think that was just so cool and interesting to hear, right? Because like we, the whole idea of burning, the whole idea of alamancy is that's of preservation. And so again, that's more of a reach of any on anything, but it just like it felt cool in the moment to kind of have that viewpoint from it. We get chapter 12, we get Sazed again, when he's going to the conventional of Saren, and, or the conventical, whatever the, whatever, Saren, right, going to Saren, and I just think again, right, because this book, and I'm hyped as heck, right, like, book one, I always said Sazed was my favorite, it was because in book one, I wanted to know more about uh, Pharaoh Kimmy, because they, 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 they put the big bad steel inquisitors in front of us and says it cold cocks one and it's just out. And that mm-hmm. like made me so interested in says it book two is arguably I are, I try to figure out whether or not it's my favorite point in the series is when says it holds his gate. Mm-hmm. It is one of the, it's one of the most intense moments I've ever read in, 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 in literature at this point. Cause like says it's probably my favorite character and he's not a fighter. Like, 
you know, it's funny. He keeps telling himself that, but he, he like every time he says that he comes out the other side, but he's not a fighter in seeing that. Well, in this moment, Sazed is putting on, taking off his bracers. And I think this is the first moment we truly get the feeling of the epigraph where it's like, I, ha- I will have the power to save or destroy the world on my arms, right? Because up to this point, we've had descriptions of the, of the, um, of the keepers and have just described them as having bracelets, bracers, and things like that. But this is the first time Sazed, it talks how Sazed takes the bracers off his lower and upper forearms. And he's like, these are my knowledge of the world. And now I'm putting on these instruments of war, essentially, when he puts on his pewter mine and steel stuff and stuff like that. And I was just thinking in that moment, is that like the first time it's really like laid out exactly where you, because we, you get, we understand bracers is on the lower portion of the arm, but it's like, I have the bracers on my lower portion of the arm and I have the rings all the way up my arm and things like that. So we get like the actual layout of it. Um... What you got? You're looking at your notes really fast. I'm scrolling yeah. through. The one of the things that I that with the foreshadowing of Zane um, poisoning Straff, I noticed uh, yeah, that yeah. there's a girl that gets executed when it's first poisoned, whatever. Now it's said that she wanted the opportunity or whatever, and mm-hmm. he gave it to her. It wasn't clear to me, and I and and that may have been the truth, but I almost thought like it was more like she got killed on just randomly, essentially like he because I thought all the poison that he had was actually because of the what should I call it the withdrawal or whatever. No, no, no. I think she did poison him. Yeah, she, she legit yeah, poisoned. Yeah, because yeah. because she could he could smell the actual poison, but it was oh, in the end the feeling that he was being poisoned was that withdrawal. So yeah, he was okay. having withdrawals. Yeah. Um, so I mean that was something. Uh, the other chapter, thing- chapter sixteen, right? Lord, like I think it's so cool that they mentioned that one of the one of the cities has a cannery. Yeah, and I when I saw that I went, I went. That's how the Lord Ruler like supplied his bunkers. You know, that's yeah. how he when he was creating his bunkers. That's how they they found all the canned food, and they're like, what the heck is going on here? And I just thought again, this awesome laydown, right? Because in this world we're trying to learn about what's been made and what's not, and. They had they had the technology for canneries at that point. So, I will say that I thought the the foreshadowing of Colas was a little weak, um, because like in Final Empire, it's mentioned like at least a half dozen times about not brutal but like dangerous, and you're thinking, oh okay, you know, but the Colas take almost twenty chapters to get to, um, yeah, and into the second book where they've actually become like a real deal. I don't know. It's I mean I mean. We're not done foreshadowing yet because we actually get to see the full-on brutality of a Coloss assault, which no, is insane. I know, but I'm just saying, like, the other thing I said on one of, on one of the chapters that we said earlier uh, on one of our previous episodes, I said, I'm surprised that we don't hear more about the Coloss, like, going crazy everywhere. And it took, yep. again, another, like, a dozen chapters before they're like, oh, actually, yeah, they were going crazy everywhere. Yeah, I like how it mentions they just, they're, they're like, they just randomly frenzy up and it's like, well, that's ruined. Ruin is making them randomly frenzy up. Well, that's also, I think, their nature a bit, a little bit. But I mean, they get worse when once Ruin starts like becoming more powerful. But that's the thing, actually, though. I don't think that's the case because when we look at the Coloss and everything, especially in Lacal's camp, they are very calm. They kill each other, but they're not. They never frenzy in his camp. And if you remember at the beginning of the siege of Luthadel with the Coloss, um. 
they're specifically they the the walls start attacking the coloss and clubs is like no we don't want that we don't want that and it's like why and we then you get to see is like as they start coloss start dying they start to frenzy up and he's like oh no like we just shook the beehive essentially that's why that's why but that description shaking the beehive is way i think of coloss is that like things trigger them into it you know um and it could be just like one fight turns into another fight turns into you know more um I don't know. I mean, I know that they're more civil, but also we also thought understand that the later Colas get more and more civil because the hemallergic spikes basically lose their potency or whatever. Um, and I mean, we, we find out about that a bit later. So another point I want to bring up is that, and again, I, we just read through it and I might be forgetting this. I don't think Zane's God, I don't think Ruin actually ever tells Zane to kill Vin. No, he never does. I don't and think so. When Zane is around Vin, he notes that Ruin's voice goes away. Yeah, and that was the whole point was that he 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 never he said like you're the one person he didn't he never the god doesn't tell me to kill. And yeah, that was his, that's why she thought he would save him and that's why in the in, in the end, you know, Ruin even gives that jab of like you weren't even insane. And then yeah. that's why he dies. Yeah, and then, like, I think we... I'm getting into this point at, like, chapter 22. I like how um, Vin... When Vin's spilling her story to Orsir, or at this point, it's Tensoon, um, she's explaining how he was... She was a street urchin, and to try to get closer. And then she's like, wait, did Orsir even know that that was a possibility? And when I think, I would go, no. Orsir knew everything in Kelsier's plan. He actually knew more than the entire squad, so he would have known exactly what Vin was. But Tensoon doesn't know what Vin was. Tensoon didn't know that Vin was a street urchin. And that's why her her spilling that story worked so well on him to change his view of her. It was because he he thought she was some pampered part of the crew or some basically some some big butthead, you know, mm-hmm. that 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 he had to deal with and didn't realize, oh no, this is where she came from. She can actually understand me. Oh yeah, here it is, chapter twenty-four. The earring was was once gilded with silver, but has been worn away over time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it would explain why, even with the spike, she couldn't. She wasn't had. She wasn't seeking very well either, because it had to wear away completely. Yep. Yep. Oh my gosh. Okay. That, that's and that's something that I've never. I don't even hear it brought up. I was actually going to go look into it. I was going to go into. I haven't looked it up yet. I saw it. There's so many silver theories. Come back and check out our trust episode. I got some silver theories. Indeed. Okay. Um. So let's see here. Uh. That we get the mistake of clubs burning bronze. That's the. I yeah, that's that so funny. funny. So like, okay. So for us, I don't know. Depending on when you got the book. Or in our case, whenever you listened or whenever they recorded this, right? There was an error in the book, in the original book, and in this recording that we normally listen to, where it was like she asked clubs to burn bronze to look to see if he could feel the thumping of of the Well of Ascension. And Brandon was just like, yeah, that was an oopsie. My bad. Yeah. (laughs) Um, We got that, which I think was really cool. Um, We talked about the Coloss. What else we get? Uh, Dude, so chapter 24, same thing. Zane or Tensoon is visibly afraid of Zane. Right, right. That, I, you caught me. I almost spoiled our our normal readers with it. You caught me on it. So he's not afraid. He's uncomfortable. 
But what's funny to me is that how Tensoon does give away a lot. Like we hear about how the Conjurer are so perfect or whatever. Um, and hearing Tensoon like have reactions, it's kind of don't, surprising. Don't we realize though in chat and book three, when we get to learn a lot more about Tensoon, doesn't he say that he's never been good at imitating people? His whole thing was he was so fast to change shape. That might be accurate. I know he's a he's very gifted at being able to switch bodies. Because he even calls out himself when he's explaining his power. He's like, "I'm at best average but, amongst the Condra." But he was also being he was also being Orsur at that time. So I don't think so. I think he was just giving his relative skill. I I know. I think it was because think about it. If he if she had run into another Condra at any point, and then them being like, "Oh yeah, Orsur was just like he's pretty average," you know, as opposed to be like, and then she'd be like, "Hmm." He did tell me that he told me that he was really awesome or really bad. You know, he probably would say give what or sir would have been. But I, I don't I'm not 100 percent certain on that. I mean, I, I know what you're saying, but I'm just I'm just I don't know. Yeah. So chapter 25, uh, Tendul call. I, I missed this on the first read through, but good. Great foreshadowing. Just straight up goes. Ellen is a scholar with the will of a warrior. I think that was so telling. Yeah, the... because like, again, when we came to book three, book three, I believe, opens up on Ellen jumping into the middle of an army of Coloss and like fighting a Steel Inquisitor one on one. Yeah, something like that. And I'm just like, what the heck? I remember reading that point going, and then going whoa, how did he get so good? And then that, and then he explained like, oh, Lorassium makes you more pure and all that stuff. Yeah, but I I just think that's really cool. And then again, I love how. So again, this this is more me nerding out how Brandon writes. But it's that promises, right? And he goes and he keeps his promises even on a micro scale. Because in this chapter two, Vin mentions that she's so sad that she was never able to dance with Ellen. I just remember in the third book, one of the big moments being Ellen finally goes. It's like it's the only time they ever dance. He he actually offers to dance with her. And I want to say that's like that's like the last time they see each other because they have to split. And that's when Vin goes to fight all the Inquisitors and eventually takes up the powers of preservation. And Ellen goes to the pits of half sin, mm-hmm. but they they share a dance right at the end. I just like that's me nerding out because Brandon's consistently talks about how he you want to honor the honor the promises you make to your reader even on the tiniest scale, and that is straight up one he does. Uh we're going into chapter twenty six. Man, I have a lot of notes on these things. Um, chapter twenty six again. Tin soon no is is Straff's Condra mm-hmm. knows how. Knows, knows everything is. about Shraff. And basically is straight up laying it out for Vin. Like, don't listen to him. He is... And then later also says, hey, Vin, this Zane guy, I would be very... I don't trust him. Yeah, I don't like him either. And uh, yeah, I think that is really, at this point, outside of, uh, I guess, the last two things happened in Chapter 30 that I want to talk about, which is, says it again, is reading the epigraphs about how you can't trust anything in metal, and here he is rubbing on those and you had a point you wanted to point out with this i don't think we're there yet in the chapters i think, I think this one did i think he, i think this read back it says how he's small in stature mm-hmm. but literally a couple chapters before the actual epigraph the actual epigraph says how he's so big he's so big yeah and, and so it's cool seeing seeing the wrong thing says it reading the wrong thing and again it's one of those small things that when you don't know what's happening you're going to miss it in your original read through but going back it's so cool to notice yeah yeah it's super it's super cool to like notice these little little changes and they were there the whole time just to be like i don't know if you ever seen that video there's a video where they say um 
count how many times people throw the ba- the basketball mm-hmm. and there's like five people and they're tossing a basketball through each other and at the end of the video it goes did you see the monkey and there's a someone in a gorilla suit who comes in the middle of the whole video and starts dancing and you're like no and you go back and look at it again and it was there the whole time that's this like yeah um i like how and like in our in our reading thing i made a note of this because i wanted to say it no matter what but i tried to keep it pretty nonchalant to not ruin it for our listeners listening to the reading our reading list but uh the lord you know the keepers say that the lord ruler himself at one point one of the doctrines he put out was that the deepness was a dark god yeah yeah. And then I think I think he ref- he took that back and he changed it afterwards. But like says, it's like, no, the keepers remember there at one point the Lord ruler claimed that the deepness was a dark God. I got to admit, though, like I'm surprised they he didn't just like spill the whole thing and go, I am the only thing stopping ruin from coming back. Do not give up the well of ascension. Da-da-da-da-da-da. You know, why didn't he just do that for real? Was he just spiteful? <laughs> I mean, no, because like, he knew about ruin. He knew about preservation. No, but, but was he just spiteful? Was the thing right? Had the had the power? You know, I mean, or we could just we could use the whole Brandon writ out the the whole thing where he goes. He's been corrupted by ruin up to this point, right? Because he's been trying to keep it. Or he could have wanted to. Or and this makes some sense to me. He was he hid the will of ascension, and he was just like, I'm going to position myself and to be the only person who ever takes up the will of ascension. I'm not going to let anyone know that the will of ascension even exists, because if someone else had taken up the power, technically they could have killed him. So I guess it would have made sense to just hide it. Yeah, but like it doesn't make sense though, because if maybe he maybe I mean he had he read the logbooks. It's like he, would he not have known that it's going to pulse to someone eventually? Um. Maybe, I and mean, maybe he didn't. Uh, well, he probably did because he, he you learned a lot. Of, he learned a lot of things during he, Ascension. Did, did he trust his inquisitors that much, though? Because his inquisitors were going to be spiked seekers, so they should theoretically have felt the well the entire time. And I know they are fanatical. You know, they're chosen and they're very fanatical and they're very loyal. But you're trying to tell me that he, you know, was so prideful that he thought there wasn't going to be a single still inquisitor to betray him i mean he felt like that way in march he's like yeah. why did you betray me exactly i mean uh, i don't know i mean and it could be just a big plot hole or whatever you know that he knew the importance of not giving up the well and all that stuff i i don't know i, I have to look into this a little bit more because i was working on that i was working on that fan fiction on you know on rashik and alindi so I'm like all into like pre-Final Empire, Scadrial and stuff like that. And I don't have a really strong explanation as to why he wouldn't be like, hey, there's this thing, Ruin, because the Contra know of Ruin. They know of Ruin and Preservation. Yeah. Um, and you can assume that the terrorist religion likely knew of Ruin and Preservation because the Contra knew about it. Um, and they could have said like, hey, there's this thing. It's called Ruin. It's this like vengeful God, and essentially, if you guys kill me or get rid of me, you're gonna set him up to come back and destroy all of you. You know that could have been a thing, but he didn't do that. Um, so I just thought, found it interesting that would they have believed him? I mean, he's a Lord Ruler, but I guess also no, I, I just meant like someone eventually is gonna come around to try to overthrow him. 
would they believe him? They killed. They were going to kill him anyway. They tried multiple times to try to kill him. Um, and I guess it. I guess the way religions work, this could be a good plausible theory. Um, the way religions work, everyone knew about the deepness. Everyone was affected by the deepness. The myths at the time they were affecting everyone. If you had told them, oh, actually, there is um, this other thing you have to be scared of, they would have been like, I don't know what that other thing is. But I, but I know the deepness. Right. So that that might be why. And, and then he built his whole church around that. Because it's not like he um, could change the memories of everyone. Did we ha- Do we have any of that in the Cosmere? Where they changed the memories of everyone? Anyway, anything else you want to talk about? Um, no. Uh, I think that hits basically all the notes I took for the first little bit here. Um, I think the big thing here that... I want to take away again is just how like it's the prowess of everything and how well foreshadowed it all is because I don't know like I'm just super hyped to get into the third book with people because the third book we actually can start even start speculating more on actual Cosmere wide implications I think a couple of the few times we we speculated on that in the first book had to do with your theories revolving the pits of half sin and stuff like that, where it was like truly Cosmere wide. Which I will, I do. I said I wasn't going to bring Tress into this. Stop. Okay, I'm not gonna. Never mind. You're gonna spoil me now, <laughs> too, man. All right. Well, I guess that's how we'll end it. Hey, everyone. Vod here. Please rate our podcast and follow us for regular episodes Monday through Friday. If you enjoy listening, consider subscribing. We are a very small project, so please support us with likes and comments. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash ontos. That's patreon.com slash O-N-T-O-S. Thanks again, and remember, our sentience depends on you.